Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast, uh, sponsored by Charles Louis Group, which is an advisory business. Uh, you, I've told you this before, but it's worth telling you again. They advise on development finance, mortgage advice and estate agency. They started out life as a mortgage company offering buy to let, first time buyer and moving home mortgages. Charles Louis, sounds French, but it's actually from Ramsbottom, they're a local company to Manchester anyway, uh, now provides support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agents and an expert commercial finance team and renowned mortgage team now listen I, i've spoken to them i've been to their offices and i know them and i wouldn't recommend something unless i knew the people i mean anybody can just get a company to sponsor them and say oh that's great and not believe in it but i actually do believe in dave and the company that he runs so if you have any questions have a look at their website charleslouis.co.uk and and give them a call and, and tell them that you you know you heard about them from ian on the forever blue podcast and i'm sure they'd be delighted and we very much thank them for their support of this podcast. Now, as you know, uh, sometimes we have ex-players in the podcast. Um, sometimes we have guests from all over. We're coming up to the 100th Forever Blue podcast. And uh, during the next two, two or three days, uh, the suggestion of Harlan, who's one of the guests tonight, um, he's actually going to turn the tables a little bit on me and ask me a few questions. So that podcast will be up for you to listen to later in the week. And then next weekend, when we do the next one, next but one, if you're following the drift, um, we're gonna have pretty much everybody who's ever been involved in the podcast, certainly the regulars, popping in and uh, and, and just giving us a few of their memories and thoughts on City. It'll be just after the, the Tottenham game on that Sunday. Um, so that will be a special 100th edition. So tonight's guests are Harlan, who I've already mentioned, um, Adam, who's a, uh, uh, wearing a bit of a vintage shirt there and if you for anybody who's watching a video version of this and uh, the always stunning Louisa who's uh, making herself look very intelligent because she's sat in front of the uh, the cliched bookcase but again that's just for people um oh yeah lovely she's wearing glasses as well um mind you I'm wearing glasses in the video version and that doesn't make me look more intelligent so anyway so um let, let's start this is an international break of course um and Whilst I don't want to talk about the internationals, because that's not what this podcast is, there has been a huge debate that I've seen from people saying, what on earth are these players doing around the world when the manager, Pep Guardiola, the city manager, is complaining about the number of games, wanting more substitutes, um, and that's not even including the concerns about COVID, but players flying around the place, playing games um, you know, left, right and centre, when the fixes have all been crammed together. Then you add COVID into the mix. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't want to talk about Strictly Come Dancing, of course, um, on here. I'm sure my guests tonight are probably all very fleet-footed and would be very averse to playing a bit of a footsie on the Strictly Come Dancing. But one of the one of the judges, you know, flew back to Germany because something had happened to her dance studio. So she's now had to go into isolation for two weeks. And yeah, our footballers, you know, and I'm a City fan, and I don't, you know, you might think, what's he saying this for? But how come Gabriel Jesus can go off to Brazil and then come back and just resume playing again? And how come players can be involved in squads that have had an outbreak of COVID but can carry on playing? I'm not a massive fan at the moment of playing in this this pandemic anyway. It is what it is, and City are playing, so we carry on talking about it. But I said right at the beginning of this, I didn't even think football should have carried on after March once the pandemic struck. And But yeah, 
let's get them back to where we're at now. Players are flying all over the place. So what do you three think of players now? You can take this either in the direction of fitness, number of substitutes, amount of travelling, COVID, whichever bit you want, or all of it. But should players be playing in Europe at the moment? Come on, Adam, you've always got an opinion on everything. I know, I know. I'm struggling for this one, though, because I can see both sides of it, definitely. I'm thinking we've got the Euros coming up in the summer. I know you're not massive on uh, on England, Ian, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to the Euros in the summer. And I think to to leave the international teams without any contact for a whole year and then to throw them in international, into an international tournament would probably be quite silly because we wouldn't know who was any good. We've got no form. Um, we've not seen them play for a year. So I think if we're going to have the Euros like we plan to do, we need to have internationals. I wouldn't be having friendlies. Um, I, I, I think the Nations League, I think probably would be fine. You could have you know, one competitive game. Um, so, for example, the Nations League, like we've got against uh, the, the, the Belgian one. The Belgian one was a really big game. So have that. But three, I think we've got three. Um, in the international break, this has been. And that's just, it just seems that overkill to me. I think that's too many internationals anyway. I think two maximum. Um, so I'll be thinking, you know, they should have cut down the amount of internationals in the break. Um, but I see the need to get people together for internationals to play because we going forward, if we're thinking about having a Euros, then we need to have, have seen them together. Then I also see the side of it where, you know, is it safe for them to be going and, and traipsing around the world and then coming back? possibly with, with COVID infections and stuff. It's one of those things where at the minute we don't have an answer for it, just like we don't have an answer for a lot of things that, that we're discussing in terms of the pandemic. I don't think it's as simple as just saying, you know, this thing needs to happen, another thing needs to happen. It's multifaceted. I just, I just can't see that there being a, a correct answer. I think we're probably doing the right thing in terms of getting, getting the players together for internationals, but I don't think we should be doing uh, playing as many games as we are, um, and I think yeah, we've just got to be a bit, a bit. We we should have been planning ahead a bit more um, in terms of international breaks and, and what the, the fears that that you know we had going into international international breaks have, have happened. So yeah, it's a strange one. I don't have a clear opinion on it really um, because it is it's got so many different angles to it. Obviously, we're not allowed to go out and have a meal at the moment because we're in lockdown, but footballers can play football, hug each other, kiss each other, travel all over all over the world, all over Europe. That doesn't sit right with me. Um, that's my problem with it. Uh, what about you, Harlan? Yeah, 100% with Adam on the um, having to play games and having to get that, that cohesion there and, and that. That togetherness and and they need we need we need form going into European Championships. I think everybody every country around the world, um, especially the top countries, you know, they need they need players on form not only for the clubs but within that team environment international level before we go into a big tournament. Because I personally think that 2021 or Euro 2021 and otherwise known as Euro 2020 in 2021, which doesn't make <laughs> any sense now, um, is our best chance of winning a, a, a European or you know, world competition, um, and it's the next one in line. So I, I think we've got a real chance. And why would we want to put ourselves at risk of not potentially going right the way to the final by not having contact time? On the flip side of it, though, um, it's going to cause a lot of injuries. It's not so much the Nations League games that are a problem for me. It's the international friendly games. And there is a difference. The Nations League games, there's a, there's a bit of a purpose to it. There's that competitiveness. There's that real need to... 
um, add competitiveness to the international stage outside of a competition because over the years we all criticised friendlies and said, you know, what are we learning from friendlies with that competitive edge to it? It gives players that um, knowledge and that belief in each other that going into a tournament, they've got that competitive desire to win things. So Nations League, I'm behind, but the international friendlies like the one we played against Wales and the one we played against Ireland uh, last Thursday, that puts players at risk for no reason at all other than to give people minutes, game time uh, and boost their fitness. But right now, and to, to back up what Pep said, we don't need to be playing international friendlies with the current schedule that we've got because that is just adding more fuel to an already burning fire. With the Nations League, I get it and I can see through it because it's a competitive type fixture. Whereas international friendlies aren't and they are meaningless to me right now. There's enough Nations League games to get us through to the Euros, which is what Adam said, to still maintain that level of fitness, cohesion, desire within the team without having to play the extra three or four friendlies between now and next June. So I respect what both Alan and Adam say. Uh, neither of the, you seem to be particularly worried about the COVID aspects of this. Mo Salah's, of course, been ruled out now for Liverpool uh, because of COVID. Um, City's next game is against Tottenham. I think that's a huge, huge game. Um, and what if Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus and, and uh, you know, uh, other key players are ruled out because of COVID? Um, will you then look back on it and say uh, they shouldn't have played those because they could have caught COVID? It's not a worry at the moment. What about you, Louisa? Um, well, yeah, I can kind of see the point um, that, that both Adam and Harlan are making regarding having the practice, if you like. But I think sort of the, the need to have kind of phrase is do we really need to have any football? You know, and I know for people's mental health, there's going to be an argument for that kind of side of things. But I kind of think that what I agree with you as well, Ian, the fact that everybody else, you know, not everybody else, because there are other people going out and about and doing what, what they want more so than the first lockdown. But still, the majority of people are locking back down again. And, you know, I've had the most horrid year, the, the, the worst year on a personal level, you know, and I know other people that have done too. Um, and, and that's on the mental health side of, of things, of being shut down and locked down for so long. Um, and so, you know, I'm kind of all for... Um, having sports to try and help the mental health and the, the spirit of sport, if you like. But what I'm not liking is this COVID aspect. Um, it, it is potentially spreading it because you can be asymptomatic. I know the players are probably going through testing um, at, at various points of the line, but players are t testing positive for it. So there's, there's a big risk that they are um, passing it around. Um, and it's not football's fault entirely whatsoever that there's a rise in cases and that there's this pandemic is just not going away. But they're certainly a part of that jigsaw puzzle. They're certainly a part of the reason why this isn't going away and that cases are rising. They're a part, you know, they're a little piece of that. Um, not only because players are testing positive and because they are moving around the world, unnecessarily because football really isn't essential or a need for anything is it um and then there's also the aspect of people seeing this and viewing it at home it's the unfairness of it for a start so there are people sitting at home saying well what why why should i not go out you know why shouldn't i i'm seeing these big elite well-paid people flying all over the world carrying on with the day job 
why shouldn't I? And so people are carelessly going out for that reason, making, making a bold decision and the wrong decision. Um, and then there are the people that do still get confused over what's going on and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And that isn't just wholly responsible, the, the responsibility of the government and all the local lockdowns over the last couple of months causing confusion. That's also because we're sitting watching the rest of the world carrying on as if nothing's, nothing's, nothing's going on, nothing's changed, nobody's dying because football's carrying on and racing's carrying on and whatever else is carrying on. So everyone else, there are people genuinely confused and they've switched the tellies off. So they don't even know what's going on anymore anyway. So everyone's just going out without masks, without gloves, spreading it around and we've got a second wave. So that's my view. And I just kind of think the same with you, Ian, that it should have been locked down last, in March. And, you know, it's not, it's not just up to me and you three guys to stop this pandemic. Why is it up to just us? The, the, you know, the, the lesser people of the world. We're not, we're not important. You know, we're not as important as, as the next person that's still allowed to go out and do an elite job and earn their elite money. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for it. I'm not, I'm not buying it because it's totally unfair. And why should we have to make the sacrifices so other people can still go out? And again, they're part of the jigsaw puzzle that's making this pandemic still carry on. Ian, the thing is, Mohamed Salah could have caught that out and about in Liverpool and might not have done a test. He then goes out to play for Egypt and then he does a test while he's in the Egypt camp and then it's like he's caught it on international duty. I get what Louise is saying, but if he's already had it and then he goes out there, it's like, is the reason for him getting it because he's gone out and played for Egypt in another country? No, he, was, he got it in Liverpool. He's had it for four or five days. He might even be in the last day of, of, of having it 13 days in. So had he have known he'd had it for 13 days, he'd have isolated for 14, he'd be one day away from getting rid of it, in a sense, if that's what we're being told. So really, I get what Louise is saying, but then at the end of the day, the football clubs and the international FAs of each country have put protocols in place. I personally believe now that every Premier League club has got everything in line to return fans to stadiums. I don't think the government are allowing that to happen. I don't think it's anything to do with the lack of um, planning or the lack of um, legitimacy to what the clubs have decided on doing. I think it's more than safe now to bring fans back socially distant in an organised manner and the clubs have had this passed off. The clubs have had this passed off. They know that it's safe enough to do so because people have got to move around in everyday society now anyway. But the fact is the government aren't allowing people to return to football stadiums for their own reasons, I personally believe. But I'm not getting into a political debate. I just personally believe now that for the mental health side of it, if we're not going to stadiums, we shouldn't be robbed of it in both ways. And that's not being allowed to go to stadiums and then not having any football at all. There's got to be a compromise. And I think that is behind closed doors and that players should be allowed to travel because they could have caught it anywhere, not just in international duty. Well, I disagree with you. Um, and I personally don't think football should have come back. And I know there will be a lot of people who will disagree with that. Uh, and a lot of people will argue what you've just argued, and that's perfectly legitimate to argue, which is it's good for our mental health that the games are still being played. I think it sends out the wrong signal um, to the, the general public that, that things are carrying on as normal. With footballers, Marcus Rashford, for example, um, you know, has been playing football, but we've also seen him go into locations where he's supporting his charities, which is great, not wearing a mask, 
I've seen him wearing a mask and not picking him out and having a go at him. I'm just saying it's the reality of the world. Kevin De Bruyne has got a child. He's gone away on England duty. He then mingles with England and Belgium players. Uh, he could catch it himself. He could then give it to his kid. His kid's still going to school, presumably, or nursery or wherever it is, because schools and nurseries have stayed open. So all asymptomatically, that could end up transmitting to somebody else in society and it might have come from Belgium by a Kevin De Bruyne and his kid to somebody that, that uh, the kid goes to school with and then their parent catches it so you can make that argument whichever way you want in theatres at the moment um, you know people can't 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 do theatre people can't sing at concerts so why are they not allowed to do it as well like footballers are uh, now I'm a football fan I love Manchester City I don't enjoy these games behind closed doors at all and in fact in a couple of weeks when City play Burnley the game's now going to be on BT um, I will I'm, I'm a journalist as well of course I'll be out at a game that day I'll just record the match because watching it on TV I'm, it's not important to watch it live I can watch it later on catch up you know so I'd rather as a journalist be working and doing what I do um, but then when you talk about letting fans into stadiums um, I've got tickets now for a, for a theatre production on Christmas Eve that Jason Manford's starring in, a pantomime. It's all socially distanced. I'll be wearing a mask. My family will be in a little bubble. There'll be then an empty row and somebody on a row in front of me and all the rest of it. How can we can do that? I know it's, it's not happened yet, so it might get changed. But how can we can do that when we can't get into stadiums, which is the other part of what you're talking about? So me personally, I'd have closed football down. But if you're going to carry on, then yeah, why can't we go safely into stadiums? I don't get that at all. Well, I kind of think that there's a bit of a difference between the amount of people that go. I'm not saying I agree with the theatre because everything should, should be shut down. But, yeah, the, amount enough, that, but the amount of people that go into a theatre compared to a football stadium, even with the gaps in the seats, you're still talking about leaving your house for a good four hours or how you know five hours coming into contact with other people traveling on public transport queuing up to eat and drink yeah you're great once you're in the stadium but but we don't have a, a little you know one of the what they call them beam me up scotty machines to take us take me from this bed into my seat in the stadium and that's where the problem is the problem is in people coming into contact with each other and this thing is supposed to survive for up to 72 hours on a, a bar that you touch on the metro link so you know or the seat that you might sit in in the theater are they going to leave a couple of days between shows probably not football fine you know it's going to be a week between matches so so that 72 hour you know of sitting in a seat someone else has sat in that might have it or touch the bar or touch a button on the lift if you're going up in the disabled lift no problem but this you can't have some things going on and other things not going on because it's absolutely unfair for a start and for a second it's spreading it around because we've got a second wave we've got a second wave for a reason because people started to go back out again and people are coming into contact again and people are not wearing masks and people are not wearing gloves people are not keeping two meters distant that's not up to the government to to, to uh, that's not a government's fault that's not marcus rashford's fault that's a person's individual decision to not distance himself from the next person Obviously, we're now getting into the area of debate in the whole pandemic, which uh, which isn't what we're going to continue to do now. We're going to change tack, uh, but at least it's put a few different views out there. Um, 
let's talk about um, you know one or two other subjects i mean at the moment pep it, there's a rumor that pep may be about to sign a new contract uh, there is a suggestion um, I, I know the manchester Union news have been running suggestions that messi may either uh, come in january because Barcelona know that he goes for free next year, so they try and get something in January. Or alternatively, because Messi would sign a pre-contract in January ahead of a summer move, he could sign that pre-contract in January and then come next summer. Um, so does that affect Pep Stain? Does that, does that affect Sergio Aguero Stain? City are also linked with other players, which I'll come to in a moment. Um, well, I'll throw one out there now. Jack Grealish is being mentioned as as a potential target. I know he's a, also potentially a target for, for United. There are a couple of strikers that have been linked with City. Uh, obviously, Haaland is one of them from Dortmund. Uh, Martinez from Inter Milan is another. Uh, you know, there are players that are being linked with City. So I just wonder um, whether particularly, and I'm not, I'm not excluding you from this, uh, Louisa, but I know that these two lads who are all part of the podcast today are much more clued in than probably I am about transfers and other players. So let's get the thoughts of you two on, on these suggestions. Um, Why not? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I think with the whole messy situation, I think they're all going to depend on each other. So there's three different situations going on with the Aguero contract, the Pep contract and Messi's decision. And I think they'll all be talking to each other to decide what's going on. Because I think if Pep signs his extension, then Messi's obviously more likely to come. And there's also been reports that Messi's looking to Aguero to see if City are going to offer him a contract. I think if City know that that's the case, they're going to be quite happy to let Aguero... I think they want Aguero to stay anyway, but I think it would really seal the, the nail in, in that in terms of a new contract. So I'd like that... I, I can imagine if Aguero signs a new contract... Pep decides to stay, it's going to make Messi a lot more likely. I don't know, I can't believe I'm even saying that. But um, I could certainly see that being a possibility. And obviously, how exciting would that be? And that would really fit into our, um, our need for a striker at the moment as well. We're talking about uh, going after an experienced striker in January with the reports the other day. Um, I'm not sure who that would be. But, you know, and it's certainly Messi's certainly got some experience, hasn't he, being the best player on the planet. So um, it'd be great to see him take over that role um I'm not sure where it would leave us in the summer if Messi was to come whether he was to come in January or summer because I I like the idea of going out for a Haaland or I'm not really I don't know too much about Martinez but obviously Martinez is touted as a, a big target Alan could probably tell you more um but I'd like the idea of us going out and buying a Aguero replacement who's going to be there for the next 10 years and provide the maybe not the goals that Aguero's provided but somewhere near there really keep us firing on all cylinders because we dropped off at the start of the season and that is worrying. We used to be in the top scorers every single season. We used to this unbelievable free scoring football and that's going to drop off if we lose Sergio and Jesus doesn't quite step up. So I do think we really need uh, a big striker to take over in the long term, but it's whether we feel like we can take Messi on, but then also have that big long-term striker uh, come in as well or whether we have to go for one or the other I'm not sure what our situation is financially in terms of that um, but it'll be really interesting to see do we go for that short-termism of Messi and then that, the explosion that that's going to create in terms of creating the you know boosting the global brand and everything that it would do 
and also bringing in that short-term unbelievable quality or whether we go for something more long-term in the summer. I'm not sure which one I want us to go for yet, but I can imagine City are really tossing, tossing things up and weighing up their position at the moment. Of course, I'd love to see Guardiola sign his, his contract extension on, on that point. Um, so fingers crossed he does that. Fingers crossed Aguero does another season as well, but we don't want to rely on him anymore. And that's why we need that striker, whether it be Messi <laughs> or whether it be a long-term, long-term replacement straight away in, in the summer. I do tend to yeah. agree that the three are related. And I think if we see Aguero sign a new contract or we see Pep sign a new contract, that means all three bits will happen. I think that the first clue that the whole thing is happening is when just one of them, you know, if we suddenly next week we hear that Aguero's decided to extend his contract by a year, and then I think you can conclude from that Messi's coming and Pep's staying. I think the three are all related. Yeah, Go on, Harlan. It's like what comes first, isn't it? The chicken or the egg. I mean, we're not going to get into that debate on Forever Blue because that'll go on all night. But it is, <laughs> Adam's right. I think, but I think we all agree on that, that, that it'll be a snowball effect. One will pick up the other and that will pick up another. And it's just who does come first. I mean, I, I think that it'll be... I probably think that it'll be... It'll, See, he's got it. Pep's got to either agree his contract or Aguero's got to agree a contract in January for Messi to come because the pre-contract agreement will start in January. Yeah, but they I've can tell each other. They can tell each other. List, you know, well, that's what I mean. But what I mean is, with regards to with regards to to that, me, me, Messi's me, Messi's also apparently going to be talking to PSG in, in 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 January as well. So he needs to have made a decision by January, which will mean that Pep and Aguero will have also had to have made a decision by January, and someone will have to be the first one to put their cards on the table and say. You know, City will announce Aguero signed, then Messi will sign, and then Pep will say, "Right, I'm gonna be with my two boys and and and, and carry them through." It just depends on who comes first. But I also agree, they are all linked together. Um, with regards to Martinez, I, I get why Haaland is probably seen as the main target, the Alfie link. Um, very very young, not past 21 yet. He's prolific in Europe, European experience. He's tall. He's big. He's got that Jekyll-type height about him that we miss, especially from crosses that De Bruyne whips in, and, and I'm sure the fullbacks are going to begin to whip him more as well with an extra target man up top. You look at Delap when he played, we, we played against... Um, who was it again, Ian, that night when we played in the Cup? When Delap no, played? Blimey, the League Cup's gone from my mind now. <laughs> I can't remember now. Why is it going out my head? That, well, when Delap played, anyway, you saw how many more balls were putting in the box and how less worse we were with, with the ball out wide. And, I can see why Haaland's probably a target. With Latoro Martinez, he's 23, he's Argentinian, he's the same height as Aguero. Aguero's recommended him. All right, he's coming from Italy and not Spain. But he's got a low centre of gravity, he's prolific in front of goal, and he's got great, great execution from all areas of the pitch. And he links up well with other players and drops deep. He's got almost every attribute that I saw Aguero have when Aguero was 20. And therefore, if Aguero's recommended him, there's a reason why. And he believes that he sees himself in Toro Martinez and maybe he's somebody that we have genuinely looked at and now we're in a bit of a conflict in our own minds with who to go for. Do we want to go for that player that's prolific, that's got a bit more height or do we want to go for that Aguero air, not replacement, the air to Aguero? And I think Aguero's going to be more likely to recommend that we go for Latoro Martinez than Haaland. I think the decision on that will be down to Cheeky, Ferran and Pep if Pep decides to stay because like you say, whoever we bring in, Pep's going to have to have a say on it. And if he's not going to be the manager, whoever we bring in is going to be the next manager's choice. And I'm sure their negotiations will also be going on right now. If you believe the rumours, Jack Grealish 
uh, is one rumour. Connor Cody as another potential defender. In fact, uh, they're looking at Ben White too um, from Brighton. I mean, I don't know why they're looking at two more defenders, but those are the sort of names that have been linked with. I heard um, Ramos today, Ian. Yeah, Ramos was another one potentially Captain, coming at the same leader. time as Messi. Yeah. Captain, leader, get him on a year-to-year rolling contract. Maybe that could be that, that leader that we need. He's got European experience. Could he be the man that brings us the Champions League, maybe? I, um, I kind of think that we need somebody um, very, very solid, uh, very much like Aguero. Um, we've, we've sort of, I think football at one point was getting a little bit non-contact for, for maybe a good couple of years. Um, so everyone, everyone, yeah, well, it is, but it's not as bad as it was. You know, everybody, you see, we seem to have, we seem to get a bunch of players that were lightly touching the ball and that were afraid to go in for tackles and that were skipping away from things and not getting in there and, and risking breaking the legs, unfortunately. Who wants to do that? But that's how football used to be. And I just genuinely think that we need somebody like that right up the front. So I don't really, I haven't really watched any of it, apart from Messi, haven't really watched any of the other players that you're talking about, uh, not that closely. But if any of them are a real force to be reckoned with, a really quite physical, doesn't matter about the height, they, they've got to be very physical, that's the player. I don't, I don't even care if we don't even know their name. We need that player. Personalities. With with Grealish, I just feel that you know Grealish is one of them players. Any players in number ten, he can also play out wide on the left hand side. I'm just thinking, you know, what does that do to Foden then? Does it does it push his development back? Because if you bring Grealish in, Grealish for me starts over Phil Foden all round. I think he's a far better player than Phil Foden right now. All round, I think Grealish is more rounded. You can argue, yeah, he's playing at Villa. Phil Foden's playing for us, but I don't think you can take team into account. If you look what Grealish does, forget the team, forget the level he's played at. Look at the player as the player, isolated on his own, pardon the terminology there at the moment. But you look at him, um, wonderful, wonderful, magical player, similar to Phil Foden in the fact that he's a street footballer. Um, but then what does that do? What does that do to Phil? Do you play Phil on the left? Jack Grealish is a number 10. Um, obviously, I think Adam will have an opinion on that one as well, because obviously he's watched Grealish a lot, I believe, as well. And then with regards to the holding midfield role, Rod- Rodri's not strong enough for me. Fernandinho's probably got one full year left. I'd go out and get Douglas Louise back on a buyback from Aston Villa. I think he'll come on leaps and bounds. I'd love for us to go and get Jack Grealish in the summer. I think even just watching him for England and his few appearances he's made so far, he's just unpredictable. He's a maverick. And I think we're lacking that at the minute. I think um, Sane brought it quite a bit. For me, I felt when he got the ball, he didn't know what he was going to do. And that's what was so exciting. He'd run at players and sometimes he'd cut in. Sometimes he'd just take them down the wing. And Grealish has that sort of about him, that, that cocky, that arrogance. I like, I like a bit of arrogance in a player if they're really good like that. And I, I, I think he'd be really good. And talking about the Phil Foden development thing, I was thinking that, I said it to my dad, I was like, it'd be good if people get him. And my dad said the same thing, you know, what happens to Foden? Does that just mean he's gone then? It's like, well, to be honest, it'd be great to see him really pushed, pushed in terms of that, that development. Is he good enough to, to, get, to get in over Jack Grealish in a couple of years, you know, when they're really fighting for it? And if he's not, he's not good enough for us because we need the best players playing for us. I know he grew up in Stockport and he's a City fan. He's been there since nine years old or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it, we're Manchester City now, you know. We've got, we've got no, no time for players who are just there for loyalty. They've got to be the best in the world nowadays. That, that, you know, the type of club that we are now. So if Phil Foden's not going to be that man, then I'm not really fussed about his development. 
um, if he's not going to be there. I understand that he would probably develop better by having more minutes and Jack Grealish coming would limit those minutes. So I, I see the point there. But I just think he's got to be cutthroat about it. We're not good enough at the minute in the, uh, going forward. It's far too easy for people to sit back against us and us just to not break them down and us to pass the ball across. I'm fed up of watching us pass the ball along the halfway line. Sometimes this season it's been really boring to watch us. For the first time in a long time, I've been, been sat there. It's been like a chore sometimes watching us this season. Um, and that was the discussion we were having with Gary Owen the, the other week. And it sounded really negative. And it was quite negative, to be honest. I'm, I'm not really a negative City fan. I'm probably one of the most optimistic ones that I know, really. But um, I, I just, yeah, I just feel like we've become predictable and boring at times. And I just wish we could get that un- unpredictability back. And Jack Grealish would bring that for me. I think Ferran Torres actually has come in and been become a competitor to Phil Foden because Foden has been playing a lot more in wide positions. That might be because of the instruction that Pep's given him, but Torres is playing in that. And you know what? Those two are pretty much the same age. And Torres already looks a you know, very good prospect. So I think, Adam, you make some very good points there in that uh, sentiment comes into it and that's why he's a stop putting yesterday. Dead right. Everything you say is right. Um, but at the level City are aiming for, and it isn't an expectation, certainly for me as an older fan, I don't expect anything, but the, the, the club itself expects, Pep Guardiola expects, the people who own the club expect, they expect to be winning the title, winning the Champions League and being the best team in Europe and in the world. That's the standard that they're aiming for. And if that's the standard they're aiming for, that makes it so tough for young players to come through because you've got to be one of the best 11 almost in the world to get into the City team. Louisa? I, I kind of um, want to pick up on what you said um, just a minute ago, and we've talked about this before as well on other podcasts, um, is, is a personality. And um, I think sometimes you can be a bit too close to the subjects to, to, get a, to, to be able to step away like we are. We're fans and we're very, very close and very passionate. And I think sometimes the measure can come from um, somebody who isn't a fan of the team, but is a football fan. And I have a friend who I was talking to last week and they were sort of saying that they couldn't really care less about our team. Um, you know, apart from the three names stood out to this person who's followed football for a lot of years and they support one of the other big teams. Um, and the friend just sort of said, you know, I've, I've Kevin De Bronya straight away. Sterling for, for a few other reasons and company who we've lost. He said, those are the three names I hear. And I actually get, he said, I, this is his words, I get a bit of excited about, you know, when I hear those names, even though they're not my team, because they, they have something extra special. They have something great. They're who you pick in the FIFA games, you know? And so I'm with you totally. We, we need someone as well that's a, a personality and not just for fans sitting at home, um, the idea is is to drum up the enthusiasm within the team on the pitch. You know, even like your Eric Cantona's of days gone by. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, oh, there's lovely, fantastic Shearer. You know, they were, they were a presence on that pitch. And the rest of the team raise their game. They raise their own standard to, to, to match them or to... It's enthusiasm, isn't it? Motivation within the team. And we don't just need someone that's really great at football because we do have a team of players that are really, really great at football. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. We need personalities as well. 
I think that's what Adam was getting at as well, Louisa, is that Jack Grealish, it, it, it's that arrogance, it's that fact that it, it'll draw fouls and it'll, it'll cause a bit of controversy on the pitch. He'll rile the opposition, he'll wind them up, but he won't wind them up by getting in the face, he'll wind them up by playing so well. He frustrated Van Dijk in the game against Liverpool. He had, he had Fabinho on strings, do you know what I mean? And he was forcing them to make mistakes. He's a player that gets in your head before you've even taken to the field. The kind of player that you'd, you'd be kind of looking at giving dirty looks in the tunnel. You know, like you look at Vieira and Keane. I know he's not that, that size and that stature, but the kind of player that would already be giving you the jip in the tunnel by just having low socks. Do you know what I mean? Um, because you'd be anticipating that he's going to tear you a new bum on the pitch. Um, I think what Adam was saying as well was really valid. And I think that is that when you saw Cancelo come in, I know he wasn't playing many games, but you saw Walker's energy levels and you saw his desire improve because he knew that somebody was there for his shirt. All right, Cancelo's now on the left and Mendy knows it's won a hell of a job now, even though I'm a massive fan of his, to get that shirt back of Cancelo because he's made it his own. Walker now has relaxed into that role as our first choice right wing back, but he knows that he's not guaranteed that spot. If Mendy comes back firing and Cancelo says, hang on, I'll just transfer over to the right-hand side now and have your shirt if you want at the races. And I think with Grealish, he'd make the stop put in Iniesta go hang on a minute, the Birmingham Iniesta's here and I need to get my act together. I mean, I still, I still think we've got players within the team that are quite capable, given the opportunity to, to you know, be up the front and, and to be there, but they just need, need matches. Right, let's look ahead to, to uh, today's podcast. It's slightly shorter than normal uh, because of the international break and because we're going to do this, uh, this extra one this week. Um, so I'm just going to conclude by looking ahead to the Tottenham game. We built up to the Liverpool game uh, as, it, as it was going to be the biggest game of the season, and it was. And in my opinion, in the end, it was a little bit of an anti-climax because particularly in the second half, they both got a bit scared of losing and uh, the game became very stale. So now you look at the next game, which is Tottenham. And on paper, it's not as big a game as the Liverpool game. But actually, I think this is just as big because um, Tottenham are more dangerous because Tottenham have got something to gain by beating City and can go for it. And if they were to lose, um, not that they would want to do that, particularly under Mourinho, but if they were to lose that game, it wouldn't be seen quite as fatal as it might have been for Liverpool if they'd have lost to City. Um, but equally, if City were to lose to Spurs or even draw, that would be, I think, another bit of a blow to City's title hope. So um, given that we're not going to sit here and pick a team for Pep because, A, we don't know who's going to come back injury, injured. Sterling reportedly has a bit of an injury. Mares apparently not, not quite right at the moment. So uh, obviously Ake picked up an injury too. There could be players come back with COVID. We mentioned that before. So we won't do that. But I just wonder what your thoughts are in terms of the importance of this Spurs game. And it's an away game. Maybe that doesn't matter in these situations without fans. But it's, a, it's an away game. Um, you know, do, do, does City go there? Are they brave? Does Pep play two holding midfielders again? Does he just try to avoid defeat? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on I, this I game? Think, I think, he, sorry guys, I think he goes there and plays our game. Don't make the same mistake you made against Leon in the Champions League last year. Go to Spurs and make them worry about how we're going to play. Stop worrying about how they're going to play, how they're going to hurt us. You know, let's play two in midfield. Let's play Gundogan. I mean, I like Gundogan. I like Rodri. I like the guy. Is he a Fernandinho replacement or air? No, he's not. Not in my opinion. Do we want to play a double pivot against Tottenham? No. I think you're playing to their hands if you do that. 
play our normal formation, play our normal style, play our normal way, threaten them, hurt them. I think we can beat Spurs. The other thing as well is, if we were to go 1-0 down in the game, but we were playing well and it was to come against the run of play, I've seen Spurs a few times, maybe it's because there's no fans in the ground, maybe because it's different right now. They get complacent under Mourinho in football matches. They always concede goals under Mourinho as well. And you saw it in the West Ham game. They get a bit comfy. They start to relax into the game a bit and they start to set their eye off the ball. That's when we can hurt Spurs. There'll be a lot of gaps against Spurs. There'll be a lot of things to exploit. And if what Adam's saying happens again, which is that we overplay, that we don't exploit, that, we don't, that, you know, that we're not as direct as we could be in certain areas, you know, don't play between the lines, not hit them where it hurts them, we'll play ourselves out of a win against Spurs. Whereas if we play our own game and we actually do what we know we're good at, I think we beat Spurs quite, quite well. Yeah, I I think we've got we've got a, we've got a really good chance of beating them if we play our way. I wouldn't play the the double pivot, even though on paper you'd say yeah that that means you will we'll, we'll concede less and then we can trust our forwards. At the minute, I don't think we can really trust our attacking prowess to go and win the game. We've got two holding midfielders. I think we need to play Rodri. We need to trust him. We need to trust him, and if he's not good enough, we need to go into the market and get someone that who is. You know, why aren't we trusting him to be that holding midfielder? We've now got two centre-halves who are probably the best centre-half partnership we've had since Lescott and Company in that 11-12 season yeah. in terms of going forward and being solid for a full season. You know, because Company was injured, so we having people swapping in and out. Laporte, I didn't find anyone to really partner him since he's come in. We finally got a two centre-halves who are capable of defending our own half. And yet we're still we're scared and we're playing two men in front of them. So I'd be certainly playing um, Rodri in the holding role and then playing two more attacking players in front, you know, De Bruyne, um, a Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden, for example, um, and just going for them. And the importance of it, it's absolutely massive. Thinking about Leicester have got to play Liverpool, so that's an absolute huge game. If Liverpool drop points there and we can beat Tottenham, then what a huge weekend that is. That could be absolutely key in the title race. And obviously Liverpool have got injuries, so it could really nail things in. If, if we can go to Spurs and show that we're going to go and beat these big teams, then it's a massive, it's a massive uh, sign to send out to people, signal to send out to people. And also, because we didn't beat Liverpool last weekend, we need to win these games now. You know, if you don't beat your title challenger, you've got to make sure you go and pick up the points against the big teams. You've got to go to places and get victories if you don't do it at home. So you're making it hard for yourselves by not beating the likes of Leicester at home, by beating Liverpool at home. So now we've got to go out and win these games. We can't afford to pick up uh, the odd point away against the big six, get, uh, big six team. We can't guarantee we're going to beat them at home. So we've got to really go and, go and beat Spurs. Um, that's, that's the end of it, really. We've just got to win. Yeah, um, I kind of think that, um, I sort of think if you're going to lose points in a season, it probably will be off the bigger teams because uh, they're, they're just as good as you, if not better. And it's the smaller, lower teams that really need to be the ones that are beaten home and away because that's where, where you'll get your points. Um, but that's just an opinion, you know, not a fact. And um, But definitely about going to Spurs. The Spurs are, are a very good side. They have always been against us and, you know, they have beaten us. Um, and I just kind of think that we need to go with a couple of good defenders as in Walker and Laporte, get the height in there. And then I definitely think we need a bit of strength in midfield with Gundogan. And then we need, um, I think we need to throw into the mix some of the players 
that don't necessarily get a game because I think they'll have a bit more passion and, and fight for a, a, a place again um, and, and bench your Sterlings and bench you know, your regular starters, get them on as subs a bit later on. Um, I just think that there might be other, I think some players might become a bit complacent because it seems like they've always got the spot in the team. So bench them get rid of that complacency and make the players fight for their place in the squad. And I actually think that that'll help us win the game. Personally, I think Fernandinho, now he's fit again, should start that game in the Rodri role. But then I've been saying that for about 18 months now. He would come back into my team. I'd want the, the, the energy and the enthusiasm of Torres, who seems to have lots of confidence at the moment. I definitely want him in the team. The rest of it, I'll leave up to Pep. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's the next game. Um, thanks to the three of you, uh, Louisa, Adam and Harlan. Um, and, and thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, uh, the chartered mortgage advisors, who, for, for example, at the moment, they're doing uh, special things for seafarers. So if you happen to be somebody who listens to this at sea or works at sea, um, you might find it a little bit difficult to get a mortgage. So contact them, charleslouis.co.uk, give them a call, have a look at the website, and they may be able to help you. Um, but whatever you're doing, because we're in such strange times at the moment, my sister-in-law's currently in the process of moving house. I know how difficult it is. Give them a call and they'll give you advice on all stages of it. But thanks very much to the squad. Um, I'm sure I'll see you three all again when we record the one next weekend, which is the 100th edition. Uh, but remember, uh, listening to this now, that uh, between that one next week and the one you've just finished your listening to, there is going to be a, an extra one, which Harlan's going to host, and I'm going to be the guest. So it's, we're going to reverse roles, and we're going to talk about, um, well, what he's asked me to talk about is my favourite 10 City games. So, um, so that's to come later this week. Uh, as always, it's free to subscribe. It's free to download. Always will be. Um, if ever we do special ones in the future, who knows? Maybe I'll have to think at some point in terms of, of revenue, of, of, of asking people to donate. But the, the, this weekly podcast will always be free. Um, that, that I absolutely guarantee you, as long as we're doing it anyway. And that's thanks to sponsors like charleslouis.co.uk. So thanks to the three of you. And um, as always, great to be a blue, isn't it? Thank you.